Praise the Lord. Come on. Give God the praise. Hallelujah. All of my help comes from the Lord. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. My help comes from the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Wow. Isn't it great? Isn't it great to know that we're not in this life all by ourselves? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know if that, uh, I got a note, uh, you know, this is a joke, so don't take it too serious, but got a note, got up one, you remember I cut myself on my chin and, and uh, had, had Band-Aid on there and everybody said, what happened? And I was explaining it. I said, I was, as I was looking at my face, I was thinking about the sermon and I cut my face. Well, someone put in the offering that day a note and the ushers gave it to me and I opened it up and uh, they said, well, why not? Uh, next time you look at your face, cut the sermon. So, <laughs> so maybe this morning, maybe you're thinking about that, but um, like I said, it is a joke, and uh, we will go forward. <laughs> Praise God. As Sister Shirley was saying, what has made all the difference in my life is faith. Amen. And I learned very young in my teens, I learned that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if I'm going to please God, and I tell you what, I tried to please man and it led me to a suicide attempt. But when I found out God loved me unconditionally and God reached his hand and spared my life when I was at death's door. And I made up my mind when I saw the hand of God that for the rest of my life, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to put my faith in you. And then I learned that without faith it's impossible to please God, which means with faith I am pleasing God. I want to please the Lord. How about you? I want to please the Lord, which means I've got to be a man of faith, and I want to call you, challenge you to be men and women of faith. And the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Substance, hypostasis, it means the foundation. It means the pillars upon everything that is built. You've got to have hope. You got a hope. Your hope is in the Lord. Your hope is in the promises of God. Your hope is in the Word of God. Your hope is in that God is not a man that He should lie. What He said He's going to do. And you build upon that before you see it. And then when you see it, you've already had it because that's what faith does. Hallelujah. So we've been talking about faith. A God-pleasing faith. I think Wednesday night, I saw these two poking each other as I was getting in on a, a, a lesson. I think Brother Harry had been teaching the Holy Spirit, just giving us the same message that we gotta, we got to be people of faith, a God-pleasing faith, a faith that pulls the miracles that God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to provide for us, pull them into the reality of our life so that he, we don't tread underfoot that which Jesus has done. We don't take it as, as just common what Jesus did. He provided through His atonement miracles for us healing for us deliverance for us but he says by faith you got to have faith in me and you got to have faith in my promises and you have faith you appropriate you take and pull them from heaven to earth that's why you pray thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven we're a part of pulling in appropriating what God has provided for us so so we're teaching on this message of faith this 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 uh, encouragement of faith that we would please the Lord that your life would be a pleasure to him because you believe for the supernatural God said you're believing me for too much too little you're believing me for too small God challenge is challenging us here at Christian Embassy 
To believe me for greater things. To believe me for something you've never seen before. To believe me for a height you've never reached before. To believe me for a manifest of heaven on earth like the Bible's not even recorded. You could do, the Bible's not limiting you on the miracles of God. The woman who touched the hem of His garment, no one had ever touched the hem of His garment to be saved, I mean to be healed, but she said, if I can touch but the hem of His garment, I'll be made whole. She touched the hem of His garment. She was healed. And the Bible says, after that, many who touched His clothes were healed. And after that, even uh, handkerchiefs from Paul was sent to people who were not even present, and they were healed. It's time we just blaze a whole new level of miracle that is that the Bible is not even recorded yet because God cannot be limited. God cannot be limited. Don't you limit Him to what you've seen or experienced in your past. He said, I can do above beyond anything that you can imagine. Think It's not entered into your eye. It is not entered into your heart. You can't even wrap your mind around what I want to do in and through you. Hallelujah. We're believing God for too little. And as we fight this fight of faith, Paul talks about I fought the good fight of faith. There's a fight involved. It's not something that you just wake up and like do on the grass. It's there. There's a devil and demons of hell fighting you, trying to discourage you, trying to hold you back, trying to cause you to give up and lose hope. There's a battle that has to be fought here. That's why we have the armor of God. That's why we have the weapons of the sword of the Spirit. I'm telling you, we've got, we've got what it takes to win. And as I study the Old Testament, some years ago I got this revelation as I was digging through the Old Testament and, and I was looking at one battle after the next. Blood and guts and tears and death and loss. Battle after battle, whether the Midianites, whether the Amorites, whether the Philistines, well, it didn't matter. There was just battle after battle. And I said, I asked the Lord, I said, why did you give us all these graphic details? And he spoke, he just answered me just like that. He says, so that you could see in the natural how I've called you to fight in the spiritual. That all of these natural battles is so that we can comprehend what's going on in the spirit realm. That we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against these principalities and these powers and these rulers of darkness in these heavenly places. That there's a mid-heaven, there's a third heaven where God is, but the demons are not where God is. So there's a second heaven, a mid-heaven. The Bible talks about where that warfare takes place in these heavenly realms. And that's one thing I love about you intercessors because you understand that you can fight on your knees. You can fight through prayer. Hallelujah. Because he says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down every strong, every high thing that lifts itself up against God. And Jesus says that I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Now you bind and loose. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. We're not binding God's heaven. We're, we're fighting in this mid-heaven. I'm telling you, there's some things the devil's got let loose over your family and your life that you can bind it right now. You have the authority to stop it. you got the authority to, to issue a cease and desist order right now. But there's some things that need to be loosed, he says, that, 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 that have been bound up that need to be loosed. And there's some things that are loose that need to be bound. You don't just sit back and take life and say, this is what life is. You've got to engage. You've got to fight this good fight of faith. One of the battles that we see in the Old Testament that God gave me a deeper revelation that helped me so much 
I've shared it with some of you before. There are many of you who have never heard me share this, but it is something we must continually be reminded of because it is so very important. We're going to look at five Amorite kings who conspired to destroy Gibeon because Gibeon had allied themselves with Joshua and the Israelites. God is uh, causing His people to progress and to possess the promises that He has given them. They're moving forward into the promised land. They're taking the land, but the devil's not happy. Anybody ever been there? You're, You're progressing, you're moving forward in God, but you stir up a hornet's nest. It's like the devil's not happy. You know, I, I used to <clears throat> stay, say, well, I'm going to stay below the radar so I don't make the devil mad. Now I get up every morning and I said, I want to make him mad. I want him panting by the end of the day, running, because I am not afraid of the devil. Because if he's, Jesus has given me authority over all the power of the enemy and he by no means shall harm me and he's under my feet, why in the world should I be running? He's got to be running. Come on now. I get up in the morning and it ain't me running from the devil. It's the devil running from me because I know who I am and whose I am. I know I got the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus. I got the Holy Ghost power. What can the devil do? Hallelujah. So they heard that Joshua and God's people had come in and taken Jericho. They had taken the city of Ai. They were advancing, and these five kings got together and said, no, no, we're going to put a stop to this advancement. And and as I said, as I look at these Old Testament battles, I see it in the spiritual warfare. So I want us to make that conversion as we read that. Here in Joshua chapter 10, verses 16 and following. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Makeda. Let me tell you what. They they saw that the power of God and the authority of God and the anointing of God and the favor of God was with Joshua and they were losing. So the kings go run and hide in a cave. And it was told to Joshua saying the five kings had been found hidden in the cave here at Makeda. So Joshua said, roll a large stone at the mouth of the cave and set a guard at that that, uh, mouth of the cave. And do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies. In other words, we're just going to lock them up and then we're going to go ahead and finish this battle. We're going to go ahead and take care of the victory and put there, but do not allow them to enter their cities for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. Then it happened while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them. (laughs) I like that. When you think about fighting demons and the devil here, that's what you... When they made an end to slaying them, that's what we need to start looking at. We slay the demons. We're not afraid of demons. We slay the demons. We destroy them. And it says, and it was a great slaughter. God helped them get a great slaughter. We know God helps us. Our help is from the Lord. And we can... Let me tell you, we need to put the devil in his place. We need to put him in his place. So it says... They had finished that those who escaped entered fortified cities and all the people returned to the camp to Joshua there. And and, uh, look at verse 22. Then Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings to me for the cave. Kings represent authority. Bring out the authority that was over all this warfare that we were in. He said, bring them out to me. And they did so and brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. And so it was when they had brought those out, those kings to Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, come near, come on, you men of authority, you who represent authority, I want you to see where the real power is. Come here, you got five kings here, and, and David's king, he's just one. But I've got five kings here. 
but God is on our side. And I want to see you, you men, you captains of authority, come here and look. So they came near. He said, now put your feet on the necks of these kings. Head, your head represents authority. And the neck is what holds up authority. He says, let's cut it off. Just like David took off Goliath's head, cutting him through the neck. He said, put your feet on the necks. Put your feet on the necks. Can you see the prophetic picture here where the Bible says that Satan is under our feet? That Jesus has given us authority to trample on and to put underfoot the very authority and power of the enemy. So put your feet on their necks. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. Then Joshua said to them, and here's that very famous scripture, but this is its context. Do not be afraid. Nor be dismayed, be strong and of good courage, for thus the Lord will do to all your enemies and against whom you fight. And afterward, Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on the tree, five trees, and they were hanging on the trees until evening. I'm telling you what, you don't play with demons, you don't negotiate with demons, you don't make deals with demons. Come on now, you got to, you got to take care of them. They were hanging on the tree till evening, and the sun was going down. Joshua commanded they be put down off of the trees, cast them into the cave where they were hiding and laid that large stone against the cave's mouth which remains there even unto this day. I'm telling you, Joshua is our Old Testament prefigure type of Jesus. He even has Jesus' name, Yeshua, in Old Testament uh, Joshua. We have a picture of Jesus and Jesus is leading the army and Jesus is leading into victory. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is the head of our army that we're part of, the army of the Lord Jesus Christ. And let me tell you what, he's still leading for victory. So they, we see in Joshua, this is a type of, of, of the conquest and all that Jesus has done for us, that the whole book of Joshua's theme is our God is able. Our God is able. Can somebody say God is able? Say it like you mean it. God is able. Say it like you'd run devils off. God is able. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you He is able to help you overcome. He is here and He is able to help you conquer. He is here and able to empower you to accomplish the impossible. He is right here right now and He wants to enable you as the sons and daughters of God to go to a whole nother level of victory and to be not just a conqueror but more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Wow, so I'm studying these kings and I'm, God's given me the revelation that this physical war also mirrors the spiritual warfare that we men and women of faith are in. And as I'm, then I said, well, let me just study their names. So I got into the names of these kings that was mentioned earlier. And the first king is uh, Adonai Zedek, Adonai Zedek of Jerusalem. And as you look at the meaning of his name, it brings out this sense there is a spirit of control wants to control your feelings, wants, wants to dictate what feels right, what feels right. And I said, okay, I can see that. So I went on to the second Hoham of Hebron, and his name means spirit of religion. Wants you to dance to his tune. Wants you to hear what he's, the sound he's putting out and dance to the beat of his drum. That's Hoham of Hebron. And then there's a Pyram of Jarmuth. And his name means the spirit of pride. A wild, unbridled donkey from a high place. Can you imagine a donkey thinking it's from a high place? Means it's no, a donkey is a picture of a donkey with his nose lifted up. All prideful, like look at me like he was some stallion or something. 
nose in the air, that spirit of pride. Then there's Japhia of Lachish and the spirit of blindness. And it's not that you can't see, but it's that you want to be in the spotlight, a spotlight that darkens everybody else and makes you the center, wants to be in the spotlight, wants everything to look right, to look right. And then there's Deber of Eglon, and that's the spirit of accusation, wants you to speak with bitterness on your tongue, to speak against the sanctuary, to speak against God, to speak against His Word. These are these five kings and their names. But Joshua said, here's how you take care of them. you got to drag them out into the light. They were hiding in the darkness. He said, drag them out into the light. There's the power of exposure. Let me tell you what, don't let no demon uh, ride along in the shadows of your life. Don't let no demon just tag along. Don't let no demon just vex and hang out under your armpit. Come on now. you got, you got to call him out. you got to call him out. Like, no, no, no. You're not bringing that junk into my, my house. You're not, not, I'm not having it. And you drag him out. That's the power of exposure. You subdue them by putting your foot on their neck and, and saying, I'm exercising my authority over your authority. If Jesus gave me all authority over your power, I'm putting you underfoot. You're not ruling ruling my life. I'm going to tell you where to go. You're not going to tell me where to go. I'm going to tell you where to go. And then you got to slay them. you got to destroy. You're not welcome here. I put a death, a death notice. You cannot live here. You cannot function here. You've got to go. And then you got to hang them on a tree. That's public declaration. I'm telling you, you got to start declaring, I'm free. I, I'm, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was bound, but now I'm free. I'm free. He whom the sun sets free is free. you got to make your declaration that I am, I am a child of God. I am a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I can say to any demon, go, and it has to go. And if the devil's built a mountain in front of me, I can say to that mountain, be removed, and it has to go. Because I have the power of declaration. My words matter. And then you got to bury them. you got to say, this ain't coming back. Some people say, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. I say, he, he the set, sun sets free is free indeed. I wouldn't go around saying, I'm a recovering alcoholic. You say, well, my, my step program told me to say that. Well, my Bible tells me not to say that. I'm not going to go around the rest of my life saying I'm a recovering alcoholic. I might tell somebody, if you were, that you once were an alcoholic, but the power of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, has set me free, and I am no longer an alcoholic. Some people told me, because of your grandfather's alcoholism, and great-grandfather, and father, that you and your children, especially the firstborn son, there's going to be alcohol. And I got a grasp of the Word of God. And I said at a young teenage age, I put my my foot on the neck and said, no siree, you are dead to me. I will not drink alcohol. My children will not drink alcohol. My grandchildren will not drink uh, drink alcohol because we're not going to give that opening to the devil. There ain't nothing good about it, so we're not going to give that opening to the devil. Let me tell you what. There There is liberty and there is victory that you don't have to just make a deal and work with the devil the rest of your life. Put your foot on his neck and slay him and bury him and say, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. Hallelujah. And in the context of that, Joshua said, be strong and very courageous and don't be afraid. You got to be strong. 
This isn't like, well, I'm a Christian and like the dew sets, settles on the grass in the morning, I'll wake up and, uh, and, and I'll have all the victory. No, he said, you got to fight. You got to fight the fight of faith. And you've got to be strong and courageous and, and do not be afraid. And he said, do not be dismayed. That word dismayed means you literally fall apart. I'm telling you, I believe if we're going to win the battle of faith that God has called us to and see our families blessed and see our lives blessed uh, and we're going to see the favor of God and the blessings of God uh, and we're going to build a greater ministry that's going to reach the world that God's called us to do, we've got to overcome these five kings. We got to take care of them. Their authority has to be dealt with, and their area of rule has to cease, and you and I have to come together and we need to exercise that here this morning. So I want us in the latter part of this message, I want us to deal with these five areas of authority and, and let's put an end to it here this morning. I believe as I study these names of these kings that there is a correlation between these five kings and our five senses. And if you understand how our senses work and without governing them, how they can be faith killers, then we have to deal with them. They lurk in the darkness and they open us up to fear if we're not careful, but we're going to deal with them today. Your five senses, what you see, what you hear, what you smell, what you taste, and what you feel. These are what I would call evangelists for unbelief if they're not put in their place. And they will keep you in a, a life of unbelief where all the promises of God that sound amazing and the miracles of God that sound amazing, but you never experience them. That we don't want for you or for me. So let's break these down, the sense of smell, the sense of smell. How is that the enemy can use that? Well, I go to Daniel 3. The Spirit of the Lord took me there with the three Hebrew children. They're, they're being challenged by the rule and the authority of the day. you got to bow. you got to worship Nebuchadnezzar, this idol. And they say, we can't do that. We, we found there's only one God, only one true God. He has all power. He has all authority. We only bow to him. He is Jehovah. And they said, well, if you don't bow, you're going to burn. And they said, well, we, you know what? Our God is able. There's faith talking there. Our God is able to deliver us. Our God is able. But if he chooses to take us through this fire, we're going to trust him rather than trust the arm of man. And you know the story that they were cast into the fire, they're bound, and the uh, soldiers opened the door to get ready to throw them in of a furnace heated up seven times hotter than it's ever been heated. And, and the fire is so intense that the, the guards burn up. So here they are bound, and the men that's fixing to throw them in, they're on fire, running and rolling, drop, roll, what is it, drop? Stop, drop, and roll. They're, they're, they're doing everything, screaming and yelling, and, and they had to step over those charred bodies to go in. Nobody could throw them in because the guards were dead and the fire immediately destroyed what was whole binding them. But we find out that the power of God is able to reach into a fiery furnace seven times hotter than it had ever been that just burnt up the guards and burnt off those ropes. But not a hair was singed and not a smell of smoke on their clothes. Hallelujah. Let me tell you what, you've got to put your foot on the sense of smell. You've got some fiery trials that we've had to go through. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
You got saved and thought, oh, it was all going to be a bed of roses. You were going to tiptoe through the tulips. But then you found out there's a real devil and real demons uh, and there's folks that let the devil use them and you've had some fiery trials you've had to go through. And every time you get around them, that's all they talk about. They smell of the smoke. They smell. Their, you ever heard smell hair singe? That's one of the nastiest smells, you know? And they're, they, you smell it on them. They're complaining about life and they're whining about life. Uh, they're talking about their burned relationships. They're talking about their burned business deal. They're talking about their, they got burned at the church or, or somebody, you know, judging them this way or judging them that way. And that's all they smell of is the fire that they've been through. Well, let me tell you, if you're going to have victory in the faith fight, uh, you got to get victory over what you smell like. You got to say, wait a minute, if I got to go through this fire, I'm reminded that there was a fourth man in the fire with them, that Jesus has not left me, that Jesus is walking through this, and what the devil's trying to intimidate me with, uh, God has a power to put asbestos about me and protect me from anything that I can walk through the flood and I will not drown, I can walk through the fire and I will not be burned, and when I come through it, I'm not going to smell like it, no siree. If you remember the priests as they uh, weekly and daily were offering sacrifices. It was so much uh, blood and guts and death of the sacrifices in the Old Testament. I don't know if any of you have ever smelled uh, an animal butcher, maybe at the butcher shop or your hunter, and if they're just a little puncture of, of what we call the pouch or their, their, their gut sack. And oh my goodness, the smell. And the blood and the meat, until it's cleaned up, it, it's really not a pleasant experience. And a lot of people get turned off from eating meat because they went through that experience. I say get over it because meat is good. <laughs> but God instructed the priest to burn incense. You remember that? That every time they would worship God and every time they would go through this, they were to burn incense as they were dealing with these sacrifices and butchering these animals. And, and because there was a smell that they would carry that would be because they were exposed to the, the butchery there. And I'm here to tell you, you can carry the smell of that which you were exposed to. But God had a plan that even though they had to go through that experience and had the smell of it, God had a plan to take care of the smell as they would burn the incense. And the incense always represents worship and prayer. Worship and prayer. God talks about the incense coming before His nostrils as the people were interceding and praying and, and as they would worship, the incense would come into God. I'm here to tell you, we've got to get victory over smell. We've got to whatever circumstance, fiery trial, sacrifice that we've had to go through and that smell's tried to get on us, God has a plan that if we'll just lift up our hands and begin to praise the Lord and thank God just like Paul and Silas at the midnight hour in that smelly dungeon of a prison. Uh, they're praising God. Let me tell you what, the hand of God came in uh, and brought deliverance uh, and it turned a stench into a beautiful place where souls are saved and the kingdom of God is expanded and freedom is experienced. We've got to get the victory over the smell. In Luke 11, Jesus tells them when he comes to the tomb where Lazarus is and says, roll the stone away. One of them replied, it's been four days. By now, he stinketh. That was a statement of unbelief. That was like you and I without this sermon and without catching our sense of smell, we would, we would say the same thing. God promises a miracle and we say, but 
but this or but that. I'm here to tell you, Jesus tells him, roll the stone away. You may not have faith, but I tell you what, I'm going to do a miracle that you're going to see what's coming. The miracle's already there. You just got to let it out. I'm here to tell somebody today, your marriage may stink, but you got to do what Jesus said. You got to still believe. Jesus said, roll that stone away. I'm the resurrection and the life. And he's coming forth. He's coming forth. You still got to believe. You may be, your finances may stink, but you still got to believe. You may be in a circumstance where your health stinks right now. Don't you give up. Don't you give up and leave the tomb closed and this is just the way it's going to be. This is just a limitation I got to live with. No, no, no. You got to believe. You got to believe. Maybe your job stinks. You got to believe. Maybe your circumstances stink and they maybe do. But I'm telling you what, I'm calling you to God's word for you to believe because in spite of what you can smell, our God is able. Hallelujah. I love the story of the kids, the grandkids had grandpa visit and grandpa takes a nap on the, on the sofa and they go take Limburger cheese and put it on his, his mustache. Now, I don't know if you've ever smelled Limburger cheese, but it smells worse than sheep cheese. And our family, when we were in Europe this summer and we were in Romania and there's thousands of sheep and they stink, oh my. And then we had one of the favorite dishes prepared, but it had sheep cheese in it and it tasted like what we were smelling and the kids were like, oh, what happened here? Well, Limburger cheese is even worse. And they put, they loved it. They put it on his mustache. He's there just snoring away, you know. And, uh, and when he wakes up, he's like, man, this family room stinks. And he goes into his guest bedroom where he's got his suitcase. And he's like, man, the room in here stinks. So he goes in the bathroom. He's like, whoo, the bathroom stinks. And he goes into the kitchen. And man, even the kitchen stinks. And he goes out on the deck. And he's like, finally, and he takes in a deep breath. And he's like, man, the whole world stinks. Come on now. You got to be careful. If you're not careful, you'll go through so much stuff. You'll get burned by so many people. You'll get burned by so many situations that you start going around with a stinky attitude. And it's known by negative words and a negative attitude. I mean, you ain't no fun to be around. I'm just telling you that. If your spouse is still with you, you need to hug them big time because you stink. And the word of the Lord to you today is just because you've gone through the fire, you don't have to smell like it. We've got biblical precedent that you can go through the fire and if you go in faith with Jesus, you don't have to smell like it. You don't have to smell like it. And if you do get any hint of the smell, just get up the incense. You begin to praise God and you begin to pray and you begin to worship. And let me tell you, the sweet smell of that praise, uh, it will perfume your body. Hallelujah. The next king we want to see here and his name talks about uh, sensing what we feel, what we feel. Feelings. Oh, don't live by feelings. Don't live by feelings. They're up, they're down. They're bush gardens. I'm telling They're up, they're down. They're up, they're down. Don't you live by feelings. Don't you make decisions by feelings. Uh, let me tell you what. You've got to get your feelings uh, uh, under control and let your faith rule. Because feelings can be the enemy to faith. Oh, I just don't feel. I got up mornings. I don't feel saved. I said, the devil is a liar. I don't feel like a good pastor. The devil is a liar. I'm a sorry preacher. That I don't feel like a good preacher. The devil is a liar. You, you know the feelings, the feelings that come. Isaac was an old man and he was blind and Jacob came in to deceive his father and he put goat skin on because his brother Esau was all hairy, you know, and, 
And uh, so there Isaac is feeling him and he says, your voice sounds like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. And I'm going to go by my feelings. And he gave the blessing to the wrong son because he went by his feelings. My point is, if we go by what we feel rather than what we hear God's word say, we will miss it every time. You've got to put your foot on the neck of your feelings and say, you're going to change. You feel like running right now, but you'll be wanting to sit down in 10 minutes. You feel like giving up, but you'll be ready to start a new venture in 30 minutes. You feel like uh, walking out of this marriage, but by in the morning, you're going to be ready to go, honey, baby doll, I love you, you know. Come on now. you got to remind, be reminded that your feelings are fickle. They're fickle. They're sensitive. I've gone up to somebody before with a smile, and they said, you hurt my feelings. I said, how did I hurt your feelings? Because you smiled. Why is my smile hurting your feelings? Because I got this terrible thing going on in my life, and it's like you're happy about it. I said, I don't even know about what's going on in your life. I just come to give you a smile. But here, let me slap you. you know, no, I didn't say that. See, sometimes in the church, you get your feelings hurt. Sometimes in ministry, you know it, says Shirley, you get your feelings hurt. Sometimes in your marriage, you get your feelings hurt. Working with family, you get your feelings hurt. But you got to subdue your feelings. you got to put your foot on the neck of your feelings and say, I'm not going to let my feelings rule over me. Amen. This ungodly authority is not going to change the course of my life. I'm going to go with what God said and go with it anyhow. Hallelujah. The third one is what we see. What we see. See, if you're not careful, what you see will talk you out of what God has said. Oh, you got to be careful there. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. So if you're going to serve God and serve Him successfully and walk in the miracle manifest of His grace and glory, you got to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Peter, when he walked by faith, he could walk on water, he could violate the very law of gravity, and he could do what no man has ever done except Jesus Christ. But the moment he got his eyes off of the miracle and the word to come to Jesus and saw the wind and the waves, he began to sing. You've got to walk by faith. Come on now. I remember in 2 Kings uh, verse, uh, chapter 6, I think it was, Elisha was surrounded by the Syrian army. And his servant was there with him, and, and, uh, and, and the servant is all fearful. And he's like, uh, Elisha, he said, look, there's all this army, the Syrian army is all around us. And, and I love what Elisha did. He says, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. He's trying to get to light up some incense right now. And he began to pray, and he said, God, take and open his eyes that he can truly see, that he can look beyond the natural sight and see into the spirit realm. And then he opened his eyes, and what did he see? He said, oh, lo and behold. He said, Elisha, look, there's an army, there's horses, there's chariots of fire, there's angels of heaven, there's more for us than there is against us. God is trying to tell us something here today that if you will open your spiritual eyes, he'll show you that there's more going on for you than there is against you. There's more promotion than demotion. There's more victory than any defeat. But you've got to walk towards what God has promised. Hallelujah. My Bible tells me and your Bible tells you in Psalms 121 verses 1 and 2. He says, lift up our eyes unto the hills. From whence comes my help? From whence comes my help? I told you, Sister Shirley. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord 
we got to look at the right place. Hallelujah. So when you get that bad report from the, from the uh, pet, uh, pet scan or you get a bad report from an x-ray or you get a bad report from the uh, accountant or you get a bad report from anything, let me tell you what, you got to say, wait a minute, this thing has to come subject to the report of the Lord. Whose report am I going to believe? I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. He says I'm whole. He says I'm healed. He says I'm delivered. He says I'm pro uh, prospered. He says I'm blessed. I'm going with the report of the Lord. you got to learn to put your foot on the neck of what you see and say you've got to come subject to what I see in the Spirit and what God is doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all know I grew up on a farm in South Carolina and the rural parts there and, are, and I know what it is to deal with chickens. We had lots of them. There's a rooster ruled the chicken yard. And believe you me, that rooster, they, they, like, they, they think that's their domain. You can't make no earthly laws for men and women based on the animal barnyard yard because those roosters act like they better than the, the hens. They just prop, walk around like they are something. Well, this one rooster's ruling the, the, his yard and... And some neighbors move in and the kids are out there playing while the parents are getting everything unpacked and they're kicking around a little white Nerf, uh, uh, Nerf football, one of those medium-sized footballs. And they're kicking it around and, oops, it goes over the fence into the chicken yard next door. And the rooster says, come on over here, girls. And the girls gathered around. They stood around that white big Nerf football. And he said, girls, I don't mean to be negative. But this is the kind of eggs they're producing next door. You need to get with it. You need to get with it. <laughs> if you don't exercise authority over what you see, you'll start looking at other people. You're looking at what they have and what they're doing. And you start basing your life on that comparison which Paul said is a bad idea. God created you unique with a purpose and a destiny and you've got to fulfill that. And if you're looking at somebody else's, you're going to get off track every time and open the gate for the enemy to bring discouragement into your life. Wow. Then there's that fourth one, the sense of what we hear that came from that fourth king. Jesus said, take heed to what you hear in Mark 4 and 24. You've got to be careful what you listen to. You've got to be careful what you allow to cross the bridge of your ears into your soul and into your spirit. Because listen to me, what you listen to can contaminate your faith or it can strengthen your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if faith comes by hearing, Satan's a copycat. He's going to bring doubt by hearing. If you'll hear something that is not aligned with the Word of God. That's why the enemy knows to invest billions and billions of dollars in the glamour, glamorization and the promotion of secular music artists. Because they know that through music and the sound of that which our, especially our young people will listen to, that he can drive his train right into their soulish realm and affect their spirit and bring in contamination of the world and contamination of doubt and unbelief. You've got to be careful what you listen to. I would go as far even not talking about secular music to saying even the sermons you listen to. You better be careful what you listen to because every John, Dick, Harry and Susie and, and, and Barry that stands behind a pulpit may not be speaking for the Lord. They may not be speaking from the Word. They may be trying, they may have been looking at somebody else and they're trying to be cool like them and, they're just, and they forgot the Bible altogether. Let me tell you what, you got to be careful what you listen to. 
And there was another uh, story in the Bible in, uh, with Elijah, and everybody was saying, recession, recession, poverty, there's famine in the land. It's time to look for layoff, unemployment. It's really, really bad. And in the middle of that, I, that all those bad reports that were coming from ABC and NBC and Woe Is Me TV and all of them that are just talking about everything negative, a hurricane that's going to wipe the planet, you know, and all this stuff. But the next thing, in the middle of that, there came a report of the Lord from Elijah. And he says, the prophet said, right in the middle of that I hear the sound of the abundance of rain you're talking famine you're talking drought but I hear I hear I'm not limited to what I hear on this earth but I hear from heaven there's an abundance of rain coming and let me tell you what because he gave into what he heard from heaven he was able by faith to bring from heaven to earth that great rainstorm that came and ended the drought hallelujah come on now we're not talking mind over matter. We're talking faith over unbelief. Praise God. There was another time David was getting ready to go into battle and God said, wait, 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 wait. He said, yes, Lord. And God says, I want you to stay right here. Stay out of sight. And when you hear the sound of the moving in the top of the mulberry trees, when you hear the sound that I'm going to send, then go and the victory is assured. That's in 1 Chronicles 14 and 14. And there David, he gets his men and he's waiting. And he said, yes, Lord. And they're listening. And the men are like, what, what are we going on three? What is it? He said, no, no, you're going to hear the sound of the wrestling. God's going to send a sound from heaven that's going to manifest in the tops of the mulberry trees. And all of a sudden, they begin to hear those leaves begin to dancing. And they said, it's time. The Spirit of the Lord said, it's ready. It's time to go. And they went, and God gave them the victory. It's time we start listening to God before we run into stuff. It's time we start listening to God before we just jump on anything. Because there's a timing in God. And God will make that timing real if we will just lean our ear towards Him. Hallelujah. Do you believe the report of the Lord? Do you believe the report of the Lord? Our God is able. And then let's wrap it up with this one. You guys are preaching me long here today. Whoa. Glory. Here's the wrap up. The sense of what we taste. The sense of what we taste. One time in the Bible, the sons of the prophets, they cooked this big pot of stew. And then they realized as they were eating, getting ready to eat it, that there was poison in the stew. And they cried out to Elisha that they feared for their death. And Elijah said, here's what God said. Put some meal in the pot. Put some flour in the pot. And they put some flour meal in the pot and the stew was made completely safe. Now meal represents the word of God, the bread of life. So I say if you've got some poison in your life, you need to take some of this word and put it in it. If you've got, if you've got poison in your marriage, you need to take some of this word and put it in it. If your children are straying away, you need to take some of this word and put into your parenting. Because let me tell you what, faith places no limitations on God and if God says it in His word, it's already a done deal. You just got to hear it, to believe it, to declare it, and to walk in it. Hallelujah. I'm telling you that faith places no limitations on God and God places no limitations on faith. It's time that we rise 
rise up and become the men and women of faith, the men and women of God who says we're not going to let our five senses that are used for a certain thing in our life, but they're not going to rule us. Satan's not going to come in and toy and play with our senses and get us out of faith anymore. No siree. Those five kings are coming under the authority and under the plan and under the will of God. I declare it today. We're not going to live with a bitter taste in our mouth. We're not going to live like they took that gall and vinegar and put it in Jesus' mouth and Jesus refused it. It was like they were saying, we have lied about you. We have shamed you. We have robbed you. We have we've done everything. Now we're crucifying you. Look at what we're doing to you. It should make you bitter. And they take that bitter gall and vinegar and they put it up to his mouth and Jesus would not receive it. It was like Jesus was saying, you do everything you can to me, but I'm not going to become bitter because I'm going to turn this thing around. What the devil meant for evil, I'm going to turn it for good. I'm going to open up heaven to whosoever will call on the name of Jesus shall be saved. I'll bridge the gap between man and God. I'll be the way maker. You're not going to make me bitter. And we got to learn to do the same thing. No matter if somebody has wronged us or hurt us or inflicted pain in our life or humiliated us or even crucified us, we got to say what our Jesus said. You are not going to make me bitter. My tongue is going to stay sweet. I'm going to sing of the praises of God. The taste in my mouth is going to be sweet. My God has been good to me. When I was down and didn't even know Him, He reached down and lifted me up. When I was locked up somewhere, He reached in and opened the chains. When I was hurting so bad, He reached in and healed my body. I'm not backing down on my God. So you bitter taste of this earth, I forgive you. I release you. I'm not going to take the bitterness into my life. My tongue is going to continually pronounce the praises of God, the blessings of the Lord, and the glory of God because I'm here to be a talking, walking, living example of the expression of heaven on earth. Hallelujah. 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 Would you stand with me, please? Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord God, we pray for every person under the sound of our voice. Everyone here, Lord God, that wants to be a part of your covenant and in relationship with you, we call out to you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. I surrender to your Lordship. I claim you as Lord. I confess you as Lord. Come on now, folks. Do it. Do it. Do it. Enter into the greatest experience and the greatest relationship of all that God has in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. If you will believe and confess. Confess Jesus' Lordship. Jesus, I surrender to you. Some of you need to repent right now. You need to say, I'm going to stop living the way I've been living. I'm going to stop talking the way I've been talking. I'm going to stop looking at what I've been looking at. I'm going to stop listening to what I've been listening to. I'm going to stop with that smell of the circumstances of life on me. I'm going to take on this spirit of praise and thanksgiving. And I'm going to lift up my incense. And I'm going to take a new smell. I'm not going to stink. I'm telling you, when people meet me, they're going to get the aroma of heaven. I'm I'm going to start living for you, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Wash me with your blood. Today, Lord, I want to be born again. I want to be saved. I want to be renewed in my relationship with you. Lord God, we pray in the name of Jesus as we declare your Lordship. Now we step forward by the power of your Spirit and we take authority over these five kings. 
You can follow my prayer right now. You can take authority over these five kings, uh, over these faith killers. Take authority right now. They lurk in the dark places of your life. Those dark times when you're under attack and the enemy is trying to rob you of your dream. I'm telling you right now, speak in the name of Jesus. Speak to it. Put your foot on its neck in the name of Jesus uh, and say, they will not hold me anymore. They will not bind me anymore. I will not be afraid. I will not fall apart. I will not run away. Lord, the same victory you gave David over Goliath, you give it to me right now and I take off the headship. I take off the authority of the giant in my life. I am not going to be afraid. I'm going to walk in victory. I'm going to walk in the authority that Jesus Christ has given me. And in this prayer I declare Joshua 10, 25 over you. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. But be strong and of good courage. Be strong. As I say it, Holy Ghost, I ask you to stamp it on their heart, to blaze it into their spirit, man. Be strong and of good courage. For thus the Lord will do to all of your enemies against whom you might fight this which has been done unto these kings. And by faith, all things, all things are possible. Just say it right now. Lord, I thank you that by faith all things are possible to me when I believe. Hallelujah. God is able. God is able. Amen. Amen.